The second lesson today is from the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, the ninth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the 32nd verse. Hear the word of God. Now, as Peter went here and there among all the believers, he came down also to the saints living in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately Aeneas got up, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows... All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and he prayed. Peter turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then Tabitha opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, Peter showed Tabitha to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain tanner, with a certain Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just last Thursday night, the session of Nassau Presbyterian Church met for our monthly meeting. The new ruling elders, ordained and installed last Sunday here in the sanctuary, began their term. It was an evening for introductions. I ask each elder to share an experience around Nassau Church, recent or long ago, that they carry with them in their heart. After someone finished, they were asked to invite someone else to take a turn. And of course, one of the advantages of a Zoom meeting is that all the boxes included names. I invite Keith. I invite Thais. I invite Laura. I invite Tripp. I invite Claire. I invite Penn. I invite Sally. I invite Bill. And it went on. The introductions and sharing went on for almost an hour. A few folks talked about their wedding here in the sanctuary. Several mentioned this being a home to their kids, that their children sort of led the way when it came to Nassau becoming a church for their family. One elder told of being born and baptized here, a third generation elder at Nassau Church. We heard of a recent visit with a church member of 100 years old a faith-changing small group conversation that included people sharing thoughts about what eternal life might be like. 
a child's baptism early in the pandemic with only worship leaders, immediate family members, and a few close friends here in the sanctuary, yet with a strong sense of feeling absolutely surrounded by the community of faith and the family near and far on live stream. A hospital waiting room visit with a pastor as a parent was so sick. Incredible experiences for adults chaperoning young people that continue Young people that continue building relationships on mission trips and youth trips, relationships with the young people that continue as they have become and become young adults. Being prayed over with the laying on of hands and the powerful experience of both the Spirit's presence and being cared for. The community and relationships found in the choir room and in the choir loft. Children learning faith through song being greeted by a child in coffee hour who knows you because you teach or you tell stories. A life-changing trip to Israel and Palestine that changed forever how to read the Bible and brought new, now lifelong relationships together and gave one parent and one adult child a memory to talk about forever. A sermon here in the sanctuary after Roe v. Wade was overturned that supported and empowered an entire family's struggle to process what had happened just days before. The absolute importance of the weekly rhythm of Sunday in and Sunday out with worship, word, praise, and song etched ever deeper in the soul. I invite Catherine, I invite Kate, I invite Tom, I invite Arthur, I invite Anne, I invite Carol, I invite Deb, Janet, Benjamin, Karen, Rich, Melissa, Jeff, Rachel, Carol, Tim, Barbara. All shared through laughter, tears, and gratitude. And the snippets I just shared were not nearly all of it. It was an hour-long testimony to the here and there in the body of Christ that is Nassau Presbyterian Church. Now, as Peter went here and there, Luke writes in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Now, as Peter went here and there among all the believers, I invite Aeneas, I invite Tabitha. Names abound in the text for today. Tabitha, whose Greek name was Dorcas. Aeneas, Peter, a certain tanner named Simon. The town of Lydda, the town of Joppa, plenty of details come with Tabitha's story. Tabitha was devoted to good works and acts of charity. And when Tabitha died, they washed her and laid her in a room upstairs. The widows, they were weeping with Peter, showing him the tunics and clothing Tabitha Dorcas had made. The details of sadness and remembering the details of death, they resonate with the reader. A sort of universal response comes with death. The widows, their care and preparation for Tabitha's body was matched only by Tabitha's care and devotion to them when she was alive, how she must have provided for them, supported them, how her good works and act of charity rested at the heart of her existence. And you know how vulnerable widows were in the ancient world. One preacher suggests that the disciples called for Peter to come, not because they expected him to raise Tabitha from the dead, but because they knew this community of widows was hurting and would need care, and that Jesus would have told them, would have expected them to take the lead. But of course, Jesus wasn't around. Peter, Peter, we need your help. 
The New Testament book of Acts tells of how the ministry of Jesus Christ continued and took the form of the church. These chapters in Acts tell of how the teaching, the serving, the proclaiming, the healing ministry of Jesus passed on to those who followed him. Peter announces to Aeneas that Jesus Christ heals you. Luke, the writer here, announces to the reader that through this story of Tabitha's rising, many believe in the Lord. And the literary and theological momentum here is to assert that the resurrection power of God in Christ Jesus did not stop somewhere back there at the empty tomb or along the Emmaus Road. With this coupling of a healing and a rising, Luke affirms an ongoing resurrection hope and sustains a gospel word of life conquering death and points to the ongoing ministry of the risen Christ among those who believe. With all the names and all the details, Luke clearly seeks to embody that resurrection hope, not just in the crowds at Pentecost, but in the lives of each one. For according to Luke, it was more than just the gathered crowds. It was more than just Aeneas and Tabitha. According to Luke, Peter went here and there among all the believers. Here and there, now and then, this and that, such and such, in every corner of life, pointing to living out, proclaiming, working toward life in God's name, a vision of life as God intends in the kingdom of heaven, God's victory over the power of evil and death, resurrection hope embedded in the here and there of life. This week, as Lauren mentioned, our LinkedIn, our fall LinkedIn series started in our small groups and in adult education with Professor Heath Carter, series entitled The End of the Mainline, the surprising past and uncertain future of an American Protestant powerhouse. Part of the preparation for small group and adult attendees, adult education attendees, and anyone who might be following along with the study guide was to read the opening chapter of the Pew Research Center 2014 Religious Landscape Study. The survey results of 35,000 people in the United States reached by cell phone or landline are reported in a very granular way and tell of the statistical decline of pretty much every branch of the Christian church in America between 2007 and 2014. I shared with a small group that I lead on Wednesday mornings that the Presbyterian Church USA has been in decline in terms of membership since I was born, since before I was born in 1962. Those of you who have listened to my preaching over the years likely know that while I am not naive to the struggles and the realities of the mainline church and the Presbyterian Church USA and particular congregations near and far, that I refuse to accept the apocalyptic gloom and doom predictions that sometimes sound more like a nostalgic lament that life in the church just isn't what it used to be back in the day 50, 60, 70 years ago. Part of my determination, to be honest, transparent, is for some semblance of occupational health. <laughs> but there are two much more profound reasons for my own thought. First is a theological one. Jesus Christ alone is head of the church, and the church's future rests in him and him alone. The second is experiential. One of the real significant reasons I have little patience for the gloom and doom is because of you. 
and so many others who have taught me faith, shown me faith, lived faith, you and so many others, maybe not Aeneas and Dorcas, but names far too many to mention. Amid the loud trumpet blast of decline, you and I, we find ourselves back here again and again, now both in the room and virtually. The Holy Spirit draws us back. The grace of God bids us come. A routine of praise and worship offers something to lean on while life swirls. Our community of faith gathers here again, where the echoes of God's comfort still bounce off these walls. Here where we offer our resurrection shouts, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Here where we sing of Emmanuel and celebrate the light of the world. Here where we feast at Christ's table and bathe in his love. Here where we place our future days again and again and again in the wisdom and faithfulness of God. Here to worship the living God with you and me, smack in the middle of it, knowing, of course, that questions will always go unanswered. Full explanations are rare, but time and time again, we find ourselves here together on the Lord's day, knowing that even when words fail, the promises of God surround us. Time and time again, we come here expressing both a bit of gratitude and a bit of a plea that God would once again meet us in the now and then and the here and there of life. As I sat this week with the Pew study in one hand and the story of Aeneas, Dorcas, Peter, and a certain Simon who was a tanner in the other, it occurred to me that the Pew study of 35,000 people doesn't have any names. 35,000 people, but no names. I can't explain away a crippled man walking any more than I can explain a saint of the community who was dead and then shown to be alive. But the Bible gives names and tells stories. And according to Luke, many believed and turned to the Lord and had life in his name because what God did in and through Aeneas and Tabitha. Luke telling about Aeneas and Tabitha to proclaim the resurrection power of God in Jesus Christ and that it lives on. Signs of resurrection power and life-giving hope and the gospel promise of life-conquering death smack in the middle of all the names and the details of life. Those that are recorded and many others in the here and there of life that aren't. And when I find my own cynicism or discouragement on the rise, when it comes to the religious landscape so close to home, time and time again, God grants an experience, a sign, like last Thursday night. Or when in the here and there of this community of faith, I come upon someone's love, someone's selfless care, someone's courage, moving forward, someone's strength in the midst of unspeakable loss, someone's constant prayer, someone's undeterred commitment to justice or inclusion or reconciliation, someone's fresh taste of God's forgiveness, God's grace. And when you read the names, when you hear the names, when you know there are names, there is a profound ordinariness to it all. Among people like us, stories, powerful testimonies week after week, year after year, signs of resurrection hope, in your life 
and in mine. So many of them we point to and celebrate and remember here when we're together. It must be part of what brings us back each Lord's Day. The names. Time and time again, we come here expressing with laughter, tears, and gratitude, and also a bit of a plea that God would once again meet us in the now and then and the here and there of life. Like here and now, just today, in the life of Nassau Church, Jin, Joseph, Cherry, Michael and Grace and Charlotte, Wendy and Steve, Jane, Elizabeth, Charles and Sharon, Jean and Ed, Cha Jung, He Ji Jung, Sung Ryung, and in the next service, Robert Dixon Hayes, I baptize you. What about the names? Now says the Lord, the one who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. The names. It's a lot more than a Zoom hospitality because the invitation, the invitation to you comes from God by the power of the Holy Spirit in and through Jesus Christ who will never, ever forsake you or his church, the body of Christ. Thanks be to God.